scripture will be in is in uh, Leviticus 23. You can go ahead and turn there. Um, there is a, after, before we dismiss today, uh, Mike Baker will give an announcement about uh, where we're at in the elder selection process and, and uh, where um, instructions and, and um, today asking that all the uh, recommendations for elders to be uh, turned in today. There's a box in the back and Mike will give some more details on that, uh, what's coming up here in the next little while. Uh, there is, uh, we're going to be going through in the next few weeks uh, some discussion about the spiritual disciplines. And I talked about last time how that's really what it boils down to is, is the spiritual disciplines, which include fasting, praying, generosity, all these different types of things. What they do is they transform us from the inside out. And the religious leaders of Jesus' day, and, and oftentimes in our world, the problem we run into is that we want to change things from the outside, or we, we want to look great on the outside, but the inside we're, we haven't been able to change because we just don't have the power to push it, to, to be able to do that, or the self-control to be able to do that. And so we can put up this face that, that uh, we look pretty good on the outside, but on the inside we're just not where God wants us to be. And so today we're going to walk through a discussion of, of fasting. Now, okay, no shame, anything like that. Everybody close their eyes. I just want you to raise your hand if you've never fasted. Okay, this isn't confession time. Just, just go ahead and close your eyes. Raise your hand if you've never fasted. Okay. All right. Go ahead and put your hands down. Most all of us. There's not many of us here that have ever fasted. Um, and, and probably, you may be scratching your head thinking, what on earth is fasting? What on earth is, is that all about? I know that the scripture talks about it a little bit, but what is, what's, what is that? And I remember when I was a young man, I asked the question once. Uh, because I was reading, in, uh, or there was a, you know, I think we were just reading as a family, and and the, the the term fasting came up, and so I, a few days later, asked somebody about fasting, and the response was, oh, we don't do that anymore, and I remember thinking, huh, I wonder why that is, and and this is a, a tremendously spiritual person that helped me, in my spiritual walk, but that was that was just the response, and so fasting is not something as a people that we tend to do very much uh, in, in our Western world uh, here in America. And so we tend to have a, a picture something like this, of fasting. You know, if I fast, then I'm going to wither down to this immediately because something's going to, it's just going to, without food for a, a day or so, you know, who knows what can happen to me. Or maybe this worse, this will happen, is that I'll be fasting and all of a sudden I will drop down and die because I haven't had my uh, three Twinkies that I usually have for today or you know, whatever it may be. But here's a, a few, uh, here's a definition. Okay, fasting is voluntary abstinence from food. In other words, deciding I choose that I'm not going to eat lunch today and I'm going to dedicate that time to God or I'm not going to eat anything today and I'm going to dedicate this time to God. That's the, that's the idea of fasting. Now we'll talk about some, some ways that the concept works as well. We'll get to that here in a bit. Okay, so think about this. Here's, here's a quote that I found helpful. Some have exalted religious fasting beyond all scripture and reason and others have utterly and totally disregarded it. Okay, that shows the, the balance or the lack of um, and and there was a, a time of about a, a hundred years in our nation here where there was not one book, at least published, that, that anyone can find a book on fasting at all, period. Um, another quote, and this is, um, I think this is helpful. In a culture where the landscape is dotted with shrines to the golden arches and an assortment of pizza temples, fasting seems out of place, out of step with the times. And you look at this here on the, on the right, 
on the left there, there's that, uh, that great hamburger right there. Now, not many of us can polish that off. But just as a side note, um, I don't know how many of you are aware, but in the presence of greatness, um, the Big Sky Taco Eating Champion is actually here this morning. Evan is there last year. He's the reigning champion. So if you ever <laughs> need to, to get rid of some tacos, Evan's your man. All right. And so there's, I've never heard of anybody having a fasting contest. You know, it just doesn't seem like something that would be very popular. Um, and so there is, again, all sorts of, of different types of fasts. There's hunger strikes that you see. In fact, I met a guy who actually got into this country because his father went on a hunger strike in the middle of the capital in Romania when the communists were in power there. And that's how he ended up in the, in the nation here. Okay, that's not what we're talking about. That's not spiritual fasting. Uh, because fasting, the scripture talks about, is not about proving anything to anybody or or trying to get some sort of power. It's about trying to understand and, and enter into the presence of God and understand his will for our life. Okay, so let's look at some scriptures here. Well, walk us through this. Fasting in the Old Testament. Let's go to Leviticus 23. Okay, now this is the only time in the Old Testament that the Israelites were required to fast. There was one day a year that there was a mandatory fast, and it was the Day of Atonement. It was the day that the high priest went into the most holy place and he offered the sacrifice for the sins of the people. And uh, look at verse 28. I will start there. It says, Do not do any work on this day, because this is, it is the Day of Atonement, when atonement is made for you before the Lord your God. Those who do not deny themselves, and that's the, the term for fasting there, on this day must be cut off from the people. I will destroy from among their people anyone who does any work on that day. You shall do no work at all. This will be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. It is the day of Sabbath rest for you, and you must deny yourselves. From the evening of the ninth day to the, to the, of the month to the following day, you are to observe the Sabbath. And so the Jews understood that. Is that the day that you do not eat? We are going to mourn for the sin of our people. Now, there's a lot of other examples of fast, but that's the only mandatory one. But look at Ezra. Here's a, a great example of this. If you turn to the book of Ezra, we see a, an example, and, and again, there's many, and this is just one of many here. But Ezra chapter 8, and I'll read in verses 21 to 23. Ezra 8, 21 to 23. There by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast. And this is, is Ezra as the people are returning to Israel there. So that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all of our possessions. I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from the enemies on the road because we had told the king, the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him, but his great anger is against those who forsake him. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this and he answered our prayer. And so Ezra here is saying, all right, we told this pagan king here that God is gracious and he's, he will protect us. He's going to take care of us. And I feel, I feel like it's not a great idea. I feel that would be completely inconsistent to then ask for armed escort to go where we need to go. So we're going to fast and we're going to pray that God gives us safe passage uh, to where we need to go. And God answers that prayer. And so you see fasting being used many times in the Old Testament when special needs came up. And there was special circumstances where the people had, had something coming up that was going to be uh, especially hard or they needed to have spiritual renewal. Oftentimes fasts are part of that uh, time of coming together. During the time of Jesus, uh, as, as things go on, 
You see, the Sadducees ended up fasting during the major holidays. There was, whether it be Passover or whatever, they would designate some times that they would fast, in addition to the Day of Atonement that you see God asking them to fast. The Qumran community, this is, uh, if you've ever heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls, these are the people that wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls and preserved them. They would fast on the Day of Atonement because they said, that's what Scripture says and that's what we do. We're not going to make all these other fasts that are there. Well, the Pharisees were known for fasting frequently. They fasted, if you were a good Pharisee, you fasted twice a week. And that was, that was your habit. That's what you, uh, you decided to do. And, and so that's what the landscape that Jesus comes into here is there's a lot of variation among the Jews on how fasts are done and, and, how, and how often they're done, especially. And you see in, in the Roman religions, uh, they fasted as well. And they fasted because they feared demons. If you wanted demons to not get involved in your life and mess everything up, then you fasted and that helped keep the demons away. That was the idea. So fasting in the New Testament, we get to uh, Matthew chapter 6. Let's go ahead and, and look there. Because Jesus is questioned about it and he teaches about it. And understand, these people are not going to be like us in the sense that they're going to be largely have no idea what fasting is about and have never participated. The average person that Jesus would have been talking to, they would have all fasted. And they would have fasted anywhere from once a year to several times a year or several times a week, depending on what type of uh, religious background they came from. And so if you look at what Chris read here just a minute ago, um, Matthew chapter 6. And uh, kids, where is the Sermon on the Mount out? Matthew 5 through 7. Good. So this is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. He says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So here you have a context where the religious leaders are are fasting, and they are making sure that everybody knows that they are fasting. And it became a mark of holiness. And you can imagine these people walking around the streets and disfiguring their faces and holding their stomachs and saying, Oh, man, I'm hungry. Look how spiritual I am because of how hungry I have become. Isn't that amazing? That's the, that's the idea here. Boy, we're missing the point a little bit, aren't we? But something that can be missed here, if you turn back a page or just look up the page a little bit, Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount, starting in chapter 6, giving to the needy, being generous. In chapter, um, chapter 6, verse 5, he says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing on the, in the synagogues, on the street corners, to be seen by others. And look at verse 16, he says, When you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show, that others, show others they are fasting. So think about this for a second. Hey, what if we, you went to a different country, a different place, and you started getting to know Christians and started listening and, and you're just loving the fellowship of these people that you have, have met and, have, and you have come to know. And you, as you get into discussions, you realize that because they are different from you, they come from a different context, they've grown up with and speaking a different language, different country, that they tend to see some things differently. And it, it gets you thinking. But as you're talking and you're going through this section of Scripture here, you realize, wait a minute here. I realize that I've been here a while, that I've been getting to know these Christians, 
And I have never heard them pray. Why do they not pray? Why, why is that the case? And you ask the question, why are you people that do not pray? And one of them says, oh, because you look at this passage here in, in Matthew chapter 6, and it talks about standing on the street corners and, and all that kind of stuff. And so because of the abuses that were done here, we just stay away from it and we don't do that. Or maybe the, the question is, you, have, uh, you get to know these people, you realize that you've never seen anyone be generous. You've never seen anyone give to the needy. And, um, and you realize, you ask the question, I, I understand that you pray and there's, you, you fast, but you don't, you don't give to people that are needy. And the answer is, oh yes, that has been abused tremendously, we see through history, and so we have decided that as people we will not be generous. Do you see the, you see the problem we run into here? And I wonder what people would say about us that come from somewhere else that read through this and say, wow, Jesus says, when you give to the needy, he says, when you pray, and then he says, when you fast, and we have no response to say that we've ever fasted or that we participate in that. I think that should cause us to think a little bit. And what does this mean? What is fasting about? And, and what, am I missing something here? Because Jesus just assumes that that's going to be part of our spiritual practices. Hey, let's skip down to Matthew chapter 9, verse 14. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14. It says, Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. And so Jesus' disciples, during the time that he's there on earth, they're not fasting. But he says they will fast, but there's going to become a time that that happens. And he gives an analogy. Okay, we've had a few couples married here this last year. Raise your hand if you married this last year. Okay, Mrs. Sutherland, okay, and uh, Mr. and Mrs. Baker, they're in the back, right? Okay, and it looks like uh, Lyle and Victoria coming up. No, Lyle didn't, if you didn't pick up on that, Lyle had no idea he was going to make that announcement today. He just, Dan just threw him under the bus and told him to come up there. But just imagine here in, in a few months or whenever the time comes, uh, Lyle and Victoria have a, have a ceremony and, and there's food and we come and you're sitting next to someone that is there and there's happiness, there's joy, there's all of this. And this person is not eating anything. You say, hey, what's going on? They say, oh, I'm fasting. I'm not eating today. Wouldn't that feel just a little bit out of place at a great time of celebration that fasting happens? And that's Jesus' point here, is when there's a wedding that's going on and people are coming to feast, that's not a great time to fast, okay? You're missing the point here, okay? We all understand that. And Jesus' point here, talking to the, the disciples of John, is that how are my, are my disciples going to fast right now because this is the good times, this is the exciting times. So there's going to be a time to come when they do fast, and we'll see that. But let's go ahead... And um, before we get there, let's turn to Luke chapter 18. Luke 18. And we see an example here. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 12. Actually, I'll I'll start up a little bit um, above that. Verse 8. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one Pharisee and the other tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance, and he would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. 
Here you get these two different examples here. And one of them, this uh, religious leader here, this Pharisee, um, he is, the way he approaches God, he says, I'm thankful that I'm not like those people out there that do terrible things. And you notice his badge of spirituality. What does he say? I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. Look how spiritual I am. He's missed the whole point of being generous and fasting. Because those things are just the door that lead us into what God wants us to be. Lead us into spirituality. They're the, the, it's just the doorway. It's like this. Um, I've, never been up to, uh, I've never been on a parade of homes. Have any of you ever done the parade of homes? Yeah, some of you have. Okay. Never, I've never done that. I think it would be interesting to, to do something like that and just see architecture and just see how houses are built. But just imagine you go on the parade of homes, and there's this beautiful home, at least it looks like from the outside, that is right there in front of you. And you walk up to the door, and you stop at the door, and you look at the door, and you think, wow, look at how beautiful this door is. This is a tremendous door. This is a wonderful door. It's made of oak, and it's got glass in it, and and it's detailed. Isn't that wonderful? This door is great. How beautiful. I have seen all I need to see because I have seen this door. And you turn around and walk away. Our response would be, wait a minute, you didn't see the inside, you didn't see the arch ceilings, you didn't see the the granite kitchen, you didn't see the bathrooms, the bedrooms, you didn't see how this house is put together. All you did is looked at the door. And that's what this Pharisee is doing here in the story. Is I fast twice a week and I give a tenth all I get. Is God happy we fast twice a week? If someone decides that personally to fast twice a week and give a tenth of all they get, to pursue God and help them change them to be the person he wants to be. Is God going to be excited about that? Absolutely. God's thrilled with that. But that's just the door to get us where God wants us to be, which is that internal change to be the people of God. And Jesus, in this parable, or this story, shares the other person is much more justified because what this Pharisee did not learn by fasting twice a week, being generous, he did not learn what God wanted him to learn, which was humility. He missed it. He had the outward appearance, but he missed what was going on on the inside. And so this, this can happen. And if you look at uh, the passages up there, Zechariah 7.5, go ahead and turn back to that just for a second. Zechariah 7.5. You see, here's, a, here's a, an example. I'll start reading in verse 4. Then the word of the Lord Almighty came to me. Ask all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months for the past 70 years, was it really for me that you fasted? And he continues and he talks about feasting and all this kind of stuff. He said, your motives motives were completely wrong in all that, and you've missed the point. But as people, that's what we do, is the things that we can touch, the things that that are easiest to count, are the things that we tend to raise up as things that are spiritual. Um, instead of realizing that these are just a path to get us to humility and the fruit of the Spirit that wants us to have. All right, so fasting in the New Testament. Let's look at some examples here. Go back to Matthew, chapter 4, verse 2. I'll start reading in verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Okay, this is big time. Um, Jesus goes for 40 days, 40 nights, which is about the limit of what a person can do. Um, there is, after you get past this point, there's a, you, you, death is coming. Okay, we'll, we'll come to that here in a bit. 
But this is the example that Jesus gives us, um, is that he, as he is starting his ministry, he's starting to go into a phase of life where he knows it's going to be different. He's not just the carpenter's son anymore. He's not just a person laying low. But he's going to put himself in the spotlight. He's going to heal people. He's going to teach people. And it's going to bring him in direct conflict to the religious leaders. And he knows that that's going to cause him to be executed at some point in time. But before he goes about any of that, he goes away by himself into the desert for 40 days without food and just prays and spends time with God that helps set the tone for what's going to happen for the next times. Um, we don't know how long of Jesus' life until, until he is executed at that point. So maybe there's an example there for us from Jesus is when we get to those times in life where we don't know what's next or maybe we do know what's next is we take this time to fast in order to, to set ourselves in a good direction. And again, we'll come back to some of that here in a minute. We see the, the, the church fasting. If you go to, to the book of Acts, um, Acts chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to the work to which I had called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And here we have the church in Antioch coming together. And, um, and they decided to spend some time worshiping the Lord and fasting. And God responds to this. And um, I think for Antioch, if you look at the church in Antioch there in uh, the book of Acts, it is the model church in a lot of ways. There's Jews, there's Gentiles, there's everyone coming together, and they start sending out people all over the world to be a blessing and to share the message of God. And so maybe the tendency or the temptation would have been, we have something great going on here, let's keep all these people here. And the verses above, it talks about some of the people that are there preaching and teaching and how what great fruit is coming. And so what the church does is they set aside some time to worship and to fast. And out of that comes a response from God that says, Set, start, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And from there, Paul and Barnabas go out and start planting churches in different places. And so it seems that the church here at this point in time was saying, God, we just don't know. There's good stuff happening here. We don't know where you want to lead us. We don't know what's next. And so we're going to fast and pray and ask for guidance from you in where you're going to lead us. If we go to Acts 14, we see another example. Acts 14, verse 23. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. And so as Paul and Barnabas go around in these churches that they've planted, they go back and they start, they establish elders in those churches. They did so with prayer and fasting. Important decisions you see over and over again in Scripture are accompanied by prayer and fasting. Okay? And so does, does that sound like a situation we're in right now? Yeah, a little bit. We're working on appointing elders here in the next, next months. Uh, so that's something that all of us can be doing is praying and fasting. There will be a time in, coming up, and, and we'll give you more details of that as we get to that, where we'll ask the church as a whole to take some time uh, to fast. And, um, and however you choose to, to, to do that fasting, there will be some, some different options and ways to be able to do that if you choose to participate. But it's something that, that all of us will be encouraged and that we can, uh, we can be a part of. Okay, so the question for us, okay, we see these examples in Scripture, and we see it from Old Testament, New Testament. Okay, I think we're past, should we fast? The question is yes. <laughs> How do we fast and when do we fast? That's the question. 
So here's, here's a couple things, and I've, I'll read through some of these that, that are helpful for me and the way I was taught. Okay, start slow. Okay, number one. Because if you decide to say, all right, I've got some big things coming up. Next 40 days, I'm going to fast, and that's what I'm going to do. It's probably going to be pretty tough on you. Um, Jesus had a lifetime of experience of fasting coming up to this point in time. If he would have been the typical Jew, this was not something that was, that was uncommon to him at all. And so my recommendation is, is start with one meal. Start with lunch and say, hey, if you have something coming up, some decisions to make in life, whatever it may be, say, I'm going to choose to uh, take one day a week and during on Thursday, for example, I'm not going to eat lunch, but I'm going to that time that I would normally eat lunch, I'm just going to dedicate it to prayer and I'm going to listen to God. Um, Beyond that, uh, a day fast, if you've done that, is really not that hard. It, it seems like it's one of those things that would, would kill you and your stomach is going to grumble all day and things are just going to fall apart. But the reality is, is probably as humans, we're, as God created us and he created us to fast at times, uh, there's, it's probably pretty healthy. You know, aside from all the healthy stuff, it's really important for us spiritually. And I know that w- the way I, was, I learned and I, is that uh, for example, if you have some big decisions coming up, I know that when Sylvia and I were dating, trying to figure out if we were going to be serious or get married or not, both of us took some time to fast. The times that we have moved some different places and those decisions are coming up, we took some time to fast and pray. And it's amazing how God has responded in all of those. Okay, Just from a, a practical standpoint, a person can go without food for, for several days. And what happens biologically, and I'm, just, I'm not speaking from experience here beyond just a few days, but their first four or five days, there's, you get through the first couple of days, and then there's several days that are really, really difficult. And, and I understand that when a person makes it past that and gets to day four, day five, day six, somewhere in there, then the hunger pains leave, and there's a clarity of thought that comes that, I, that people that I probably have no idea and I do not understand. And when you get to day 30, day 40, depending on where that is, if a person decides to go to that point, and understand there's not a command in Scripture to do that. There's not a command in Scripture to fast. We're just assuming that that's going to happen. There's not any duration or, or whatever. And, and one lunch is just as holy as 30 days. Okay, It's a personal choice on how we approach God. But when you get hungry at day 25 or day 33 or something like that, then you need to eat because that means your body has used up the reserves and it's time to, to eat. If you want more information on that, then, then we can talk about it. But for, um, you know, if that's something on your heart and you want to pursue that, well, I'll give you some details. But for most of us, the one day, the few days when we have big decisions in life, um, those, are, those are great times to... Uh, choose to fast and and really try to discern the will of God and call his will into our life. Um, what I've learned is when the way I've approached it, uh, is when when there's times coming to fast that I choose two or three things that are on my heart or that really that I really want God to work in. And I whenever I feel the hunger pains, I think about, okay, God, um, these are things that I'm praying about in, in this case, in this time period, appointing new elders. Um, I know that I had a friend who once a week for many years 
prayed for his, he would take a day and fast and pray for his children and their spirituality and their decisions uh, coming up in life. And he did that from the time they were small to when they were grown and launched. And um, his kids have done very well. Both of them are on board very much ministry-wise um, and, and very much dedicated their lives to God. And so here's a couple of things just to take a time out and consider here. Um, if you have diabetes or, there's, or you're pregnant or you have health issues, don't fast, okay? That's, a, that's not spiritual to, to say, I'm going to fast during this time and, and put myself and other people in danger. But there's other things that all of us can do that are helpful at times. I remember one, uh, one point in time I, I realized that I just had noise around me all the time. And I always had the radio on when I was in the vehicle when I was traveling. And so I decided I'm going to turn, when I'm in the vehicle, turn the radio off completely. And I'm going to have, when I'm home, I'm not going to have the radio on. I'm not going to have any noise like that for a week because I just need to get my head and I write and, and, and maybe God, maybe there's just these times of silence or some things I need to reflect on. And I remember that as being a tremendously rich time. And it's the same concept. It's not fasting, but I'm fasting from something that just it got my attention spiritually. And so what fasting does for us is it helps us remember our human weaknesses. And I've never experienced it in any other way more than I have with fasting. When I've taken a day aside, and, and usually when that happens, I don't tell anybody about it except my wife so that she knows that I'm not upset with why I'm not at the dinner table or something like that. But um, it, what it helps us understand is how, much, how, how weak we truly, really are. And I don't know that we consider that too much because in this country we have food everywhere. We have tremendous abundance. But it's one day of saying, I'm not going to eat anything that ch totally changes our perspective and makes us realize, boy, life can change so, so quickly. And all this that I have that I feel like is an abundance can be gone like that. And maybe it's important that I really rely on God a whole lot more. It helps us really understand what controls us. Um, and food controls us a whole lot. But it brings to the table all sorts of things that we can reflect on, on the things that, that uh, again, do really control us. It helps us remember God's power. As Jesus says um, from Scripture, is, my food is, is, is not to this stuff. It's my food is to do the, the will of my Father. And it helps align us with what God's power is, is really doing in us and the people around us. And also, it helps guide us into the future. And so think about this. Uh, I know that for myself, on several occasions, when there's been big life choices coming up, and that's mostly what I've done, is just used fasting and, or participated in fasting when big life choices come up. There has, God has responded in ways that I could never have imagined when I finally humbled myself to do more than just pray, but say, I'm going to fast for a day or two, and I'm going to dedicate that time whenever I go about life like I would normally. But whenever I'm hungry, it just brings me back to think about what, what I need to be think about, thinking about. If I'm upset or I've got uh, something going on in life that I just can't seem to let go, or there's, there's some, someone that I just can't seem to forgive and I'm frustrated about something, taking time to fast and give that to God has the ability and opportunity to change everything in your life. If you're walking around life and you just seem to be worrying about all sorts of stuff, I'm worried about this, I'm worried about that, I've wor I just feel myself con continually burdened with worry that's around me, then take a day and say, God, I want to dedicate this to you, and I want to work on not being a person that worries, but a person that really lives by faith. 
If you find yourself being a, a person that you just go from one thing to the next and run from one thing to the next and seem like you, boy, I just, if you, if you stop for five minutes and think, what is my purpose in life? And you don't have a great answer for that. Or you feel like you're really wrestling with that. Then take a time out. Take a time to fast. And walk with God through that time. And bleed your heart out to him and see how God responds. If there's sin that is in your life that you just cannot seem to kick, and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've worked through all sorts of of ways to try to let it go and it's just not going, then stop and say, I'm going to be, I'm going to dedicate some time to fast and I want to give this to God. And I'm going to maybe in a situation like that, once a week to pray that I can leave these sins behind, that God can take them away from me, and that I do not struggle with these anymore. And, you know, I could tell you the name of a person, and I could tell you his situation, that he had a sin that he struggled with for a number of years, for for decades, actually. And when he finally confessed, and when it finally all came out, he took some time to fast, and he said, I thought that my addiction would last and continue, and it is not. And God has taken it away. Now, that does not happen to everybody, but it can happen. And God does work powerfully through fasts in those times. If you have big decisions in life, you're thinking, what on earth am I going to do in life? I have no idea what I want to do, which is most of us go there every few years. We, we try to wrestle through that. Then take some time and fast. Instead of just trying to push, 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 take some time and fast and see where God God, what God brings to the table during those times. You feel like you're just stuck in a rut, that life is just, I'm just stuck here, and this is just kind of the same things over and over again. Take some time to fast, and maybe God will show you that uh, where he's working that you never anticipated. If you're in a place of mourning where, you, where there's, just, um, there's some sad things happening, uh, you feel the burden of, of, the, of sin and the people around you, or you just look, you just listen to the news, and you see, man, we're all gonna, we're all gonna blow up here. This is just, there's no way things are gonna go well. Then fasting maybe helps you see God working in ways that you never anticipated before. And getting into some of the other spiritual disciplines, something I've noticed, and you see this in Scripture over and over again, is that God oftentimes doesn't come to us with this loud trumpet and, you know, this is. This is uh, something that uh, I want you to do, and this is clear. But God works through the silent times where our hearts are really opened up. And somehow, somewhere in those times, God works. And he puts us on a path that completely changes our life. But it takes us slowing down and starting to listen. And when we are people that say, yeah, we're going to be a people of fasting. We're going to be people that do dedica- I do dedicate my life at times to fasting because it is important. And I see in Scripture that God has called his people to do that. And just like prayer, opening my heart to talk to God, fasting opens myself up to listen and then to see where God is is maybe pointing me or maybe working in ways that I couldn't. I think fasting, one of the ways that it's, one of the reasons why it's difficult for us is not only because we have abundance around us everywhere, but it's because it opens us up to be vulnerable. And we as people tend to not like to be vulnerable. But fasting is that door that helps us understand what really makes us tick, what's really there, and exposes that to God. And oftentimes at those points, um, the big life changes that we make or the big things that we go through as churches, God opens up a clear path and we're able to walk through that.
And so what my hope is, is just like I would be so disappointed and, and feel so badly for somebody who never understood the value of being generous and what that does to your heart and how that releases you from being so materialistic when you, when you give and invest in eternity. Or, or how a person who has not prayed to God and seen prayers answered and seen lives changed because of prayers being answered. I hope the same is true and that seeds planted in all of our hearts today is that I hope that each one of us never goes through life, all through life, without pursuing fasting in some form or fashion that changes our life and opens up God's possibilities to what's there and gets us out of those ruts and just, just recenters us to be the people that God really wants us to be. And so that's my prayer for, for, for you, for myself, is that as we go along in life, we have this new tool of fasting. There's a spiritual discipline, this beautiful door that gets us into a place that we could have never imagined before and changes and transforms us to be more and more the people that God wants us to be. And if we, again, every day, wake up and say, God, I want to be your person, and fasting is part of that, then who knows what are the possibilities are that God can do for us uh, every day to reach and seek and save the lost in our world. If you'd like to become a Christian, today is a great day to do that. Or you would just like prayers of the church. The elders are waiting in the back. Uh, just head to the back and, and we would uh, be glad to, to pray with you and be with you during this time. Let's stand and sing together.